It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today, we'll interview Annie Mendez McDaniel. You may know her on Instagram as Travel Bug Annie, and she literally wrote the book on resilience to recreate a life she loves. But first, a word from our underwriter. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla espanol. I want to welcome you in case you're new to the show. Here is my backstory, and I'm sticking to it. I've been a consultant for small businesses for the last 25 years, helping people create customized CRM systems, which is software that helps sales, marketing, and customer service professionals manage their relationships. But there is something more to becoming successful in business than just having a good CRM system. That's why I bring on guests to tell their stories and share tips on technology tactics, or trends they use to become successful. So let's get to it. To my side is the producer, the star soprano, and my wife. Let's welcome Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. And to my other side, let's introduce our guest. It's Annie Mendez McDaniel. She's a certified life, law of attraction, and transformation coach. Not only is she a coach, She's the author of Simply Unapologetic. Her memoir chronicles a journey of resilience and personal growth. Annie is on a mission to empower others to break free from adversity and thrive. As a global explorer, she has ventured across all seven continents and over 90 countries, demonstrating that living unapologetically and conquering fears can turn dreams into reality. We're glad we caught you before you hopped on a plane to where, Annie? (laughs) I will be on a plane back to Austin on Saturday. Thanks for having me, by the way. Oh, it's awesome. We're glad we caught you. Let's get into it. We met Annie through a mutual friend a couple years ago, and she's always the most extroverted among all of us. And all of a sudden, 
she comes out with a book. Like she literally wrote the book on creating a life she loves. Some people just talk about it. Some people have platitudes. But what's great about today is Annie's going to share not only her story with first person experience, but help you with tips that you can take away and start getting your life in order. What I believe, and this has been kind of recurring theme through the shows I've done so far, you can be really good at a technical computer skill, which is what I do, but if your mental health ain't together or isn't together, I think it cascades in your professional life not going the way it can be or should be, no matter what skills you have under the hood. So bringing on Annie will help us build that mental health picture, not just saying have a support system, but let's talk about how you've built it. And we'll start off with your origin story. So I got this book in front of me, but I can't read this book in an hour. So tell us what happened, Annie. Where does it all start? Yes. So the setting, the book is from the time I'm 20 years old until I'm 35. And it starts off with a 20-year-old who meets someone and is excited about the trajectory of the relationship, gets married, and suddenly finds herself in a very abusive relationship where I was completely shocked because when it's happening, you're in shock it's happening to you. And going through life, going through the motions outside of the home as if everything was picture perfect. So I talk about how I wanted a child. And in the book, I talk about how when I, I knew I was pregnant and I went to the doctor and the doctor told me that I was going to have a child that was going to be born with no arms and legs because I had taken this retinol cream where they did a study on rats that it mutilates the arms and legs. So I remember just leaving, crying profusely and just looking up and saying, God, I know I'm supposed to have this child. He's going to be a boy named Jeremiah. So he was a, one of my biggest blessings in life. And, but throughout the marriage, it was just, part of me, I was losing myself every day. I was striving at work, but then I was literally going home and didn't know what I'd walk into. I was unrecognizable in the sense where, you know, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I literally felt invisible. I felt I was in this dark hole and there was no way to get out of it. it, it I truly felt helpless. And then one day, he had hit me again. And Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Back, back up the truck here a little bit. I'm sorry. I hate talking about this part. But that, no, no, I don't want you to have to repeat the trauma, but this is really open. Yeah. This is really open. And, and for somebody <laughs> to share that kind of vulnerability, not only just a, a podcast like this, but really to the world, that's, a, that, that's pretty remarkable. I, I don't have that kind of courage. Oh, well, thank you. Not the easiest thing to do, but if it inspires one person, it will be worth it. But yeah, I I then, at the time, I was living in a city called Elmwood Park in Illinois, and I had no idea that they could plaster my business in a newspaper. 
because I had called the police. And so the police came and then there was this blurb all about what had happened. And all of a sudden, one of my friends said, Annie, what's going on? And of course I said, what do you mean? Everything's fine. She's like, I just read the paper. I'm like, what do you mean? Now I am mortified, absolutely mortified. The picture I tried so hard to paint is now destroyed. And then going to the police station and, you know, just having marks on my face. And I was a branch manager at a bank at the time. And I would just have to make up stories that I ran into a door or, you know, you're finding all these things to make up, you know, what's going on. Needless to say, I had left the marriage, which was probably the hardest thing I ever, ever did. But I remember looking at my son and thinking, I don't want him to go through a life and see that abuse is okay. You know, you're a product of your environment. And I also didn't want to repeat cycles. And so for me, it was important to to do this for my son. And if I'm honest, I left it for him because I didn't have the strength to leave. Honestly. Why do you believe he didn't have the strength? I mean, I'm reading this book. There's a lot of strength going on here to be able to share that vulnerability. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm a fixer and I always felt like I could fix someone because when you're in abuse, you feel like you see the good side of them, that there is a good side to them and something happened to them in their childhood that makes them a certain way. So I was, I, I knew the good parts. So you hold on to the fantasy, but the truth is it's not the reality. That's something that I always say, are you in love with a fantasy or is this, you know, because if you think you can change someone, that's not a reason to stay. You know, it's not my job to change someone. I can inspire people. But you can't change someone unless they're ready to be changed. It was very, very, very tough. I had worked at a law firm at the time. So my friends had helped me. We were able to do this pro se, my coworkers, so I could drop the divorce papers and have the strength to file an emergency divorce. And it was really tough. It was really tough. But looking back, and I'm sure he will agree that it was the best decision. And he's happily married now. And he's he's always been in my son's life. And he's been very apologetic and accountable and for what he's, what he did. And I'm appreciative of that and that we've moved on. And at the end of the day, it's about my son. So we're well, able How to- did your son deal with this? Uh, Cause that's yeah. very difficult for a child. Yeah. And, you know, I can't speak for him, but mm-hmm. I will say that, you know, he was really young. He doesn't remember anything with his, with his dad involved with that. But I think, but I know it was tough for him to have two separate households, to not have his parents together, to then have to navigate his dad, his mom being with other people after that. So absolutely, I know it was tough for him. And I mean, I I am so lucky that he turned out to be such an amazing young gentleman now. Now he's 24 years old and he's just turned out to be an incredible human being. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But he definitely had his uh, share of trials and tribulations for sure. And he also, it was a healthy birth, correct? From yes. from the worries yeah. that you had initially, he ended yes. up having a wonderful, healthy pregnancy and birth. So yes, just, I, that's fabulous. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. He was born with all his fingers, thumbs, 
two feet, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. <laughs> so yeah, it was very, very grateful. I did not listen to the doctor. So <laughs> yeah. And then I, I, after that, I thought I had met someone else through a friend and I had all these butterflies when we met, we were friends before, but I didn't know that he had any interest in me. So this and, is post, this just is to take post, us on the timeline. So this is post the marriage, uh, right. post marriage with Jeremiah's father. No, this is post marriage now after Jerry's dad, Jeremiah's thank, dad. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. Yes. He, he was very charming. He was, but I would call Prince Charming. I felt like I was Cinderella. I was still trying to find myself. I'd just gotten out of this and I still didn't feel good about me. I didn't have the the self-esteem that I needed and the, the, the confidence that I once knew I had before. And then all of a sudden, like he was whining and dining me. He was just amazing throughout the course. And as a couple of years went on, you know, I thought, gosh, this is, he's, he's really, he's, he's really something. And then everything took a turn where then he started to be abusive and extremely abusive. And I think my son never witnessed the abuse, but he had heard some of the things, which was, was not healthy, of course. And it was to the point where I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. I mean, in the book, I talk more about like certain events that happened where we were at a wedding and I was wearing this gown. We had a great time. I was the master of ceremonies for one of my college friends. And then on the way home, he was punching me in the face and he threw me out the car on the dirt road. And yeah, so (laughs) there was two, two, a couple driving by that witnessed him hitting me and witnessed the whole thing stopped, called the police and begged me to go home with them to, so I would be safe. And of course I didn't, you know, when you're sick and you're in it, you just, you don't see the logic as you, do you What do you see? Do you, you, you talked about maybe earlier, you think you can fix the situation or fix yeah. the person? Both, both. Like you really, you, it's, you keep focusing on the fantasy or you keep focusing on the good times. You keep focusing on that. And this is the thing. If he hits you once, he's going to hit you again. And mental abuse is just as bad as physical abuse. Yes. It's, it's, when it talks about just the physical, the mental, I think, is way more scarring. The physical will heal well, to a certain extent, right? But the, the mental is that took years to rebuild and to get back. Um, yeah. And it, you know, we went to court because he had a warrant for his arrest. We went to court. And then I remember thinking how these two strangers took time out of their schedule to come testify for me. And I dropped the charges. And I'm just like, I can't believe, you know, like, you know, looking back now, like, I can't believe I did that. And I always wish and I hope one day I run into them because they will never know the gratitude I have this to this day for two strangers who wanted to help someone and went out of their way. And it meant the world to me. And at the time they probably thought, I can't believe this, but I wish they knew now. And who knows one day, maybe they'll pick up this book and read it and know it's them. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. You see that as like your mental health rock bottom. Uh, where do you, where do you kind of. Oh yeah. 
it's it became more about my mental health more than anything. I you start becoming good at, you know, covering your face and doing all these things that should not be normal reactions, right? It should not be normal. It should not be normal to feel like this. But you you just kind of are so used to years of abuse that but the mental is what honestly the mental was worst for me even though i you know i was desensitized by man's punch whereas oh. the words were just little swords cutting me slowly and killing the deepest part of me what got you to get out of that relationship what was yeah. the situation so we were uh, away for in michigan with another couple for that weekend and we're having a good time, but you know, when you're in an unhealthy relationship and someone wants a reaction, that's what he was doing. He was trying to start a fight, trying to get a reaction. And I would just ignore it and just kept having a good time and ignoring what he wanted. And we went back and he was falling as we were at a bed and breakfast and he was falling asleep on, on like this rocking chair. And I'm like, Hey, we, let's go upstairs. You know, we don't want the owners to come out and see her here. Let's go to the room. And when I woke him up, he had rage in his eyes. He was 6'5". He had these beautiful blue eyes, but they turned red. And I literally ran for my life up the stairs to the room and locked the door. And he was pounding, pounding profusely, let me in, let me in, and swearing and saying everything despicable under the sun. And I was so scared I was going to wake up our friends, I opened the door. Mm. That was brutal. I, he was kicking me, was pulling my hair. He was punching me. It was the probably one of the worst beatings I've ever had. And then calling me very racist things, just mm -hmm. very, very degrading. I mm -hmm. felt as if I was being raped in a stadium for mm. everyone to watch is how I felt. Mm. And the only person to witness that besides God, right, is my 10 pound white Bichon poodle who was licking me and holding me and crying through the whole night by me. Um, you know, I've had these huge lumps and knots all over my head. It's black and blue in my body. And then the next day I thought he would say, he's sorry. How how horrible, right? I'm I'm waiting for an apology after that. Mm -hmm. So in the morning comes and he's like, listen, I don't think no one heard anything. You got what you deserved. So let's just, you know, go out there. And he wanted me to act like nothing happened. So we go downstairs, pass the orange juice, please. And rage fills me. I am done. This, this is it. I'm done. And I took my friend and I said, can you, let's go to the bathroom. I pull my pants down to show her all the bruises and her look of being so mortified. She was in shock and just her, her reaction was enough for me to know this is, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that was it. I was done. And I had talked to a counselor. He had EA, the EAP employee assistance program at the time. Oh yeah. And um, thank God for that. And thank God and kudos to workplaces who have EAP because I think it's such a great resource for people and it's confidential. And so I called and I 
you know, it's just saying how I was just really worried what everyone was going to think about me. Here I am 30 with these horrible relationships and, you know, all these things happening. And she said, so you're living your life for the picture. You're living your life for other people. And I thought, my God, what a light bulb moment. Like, why do I care so much? Why am I putting so much weight on what anyone thinks? This is my life. I need my life back. I, I need to get out of this for my son, for me now. Now it was for me also. Now I was ready to do the work on me. I was sick of being sick in every way. I was just sick of it. It's time now. It's time to change the trajectory of my life. And I am in control of my life. And if I choose not to change, because the common denominator in these relationships is me. So I'm, there's something in me that is attracting this. So hence I did the work, which I talk about. Oh yeah, you do the work. It's just called the work. I, I, I've never heard another phrase for it. <laughs> well, I, I, chapter nine talks about dating myself. This is when. Well, well, well hold on a sec. Wait, what? <laughs> dating yourself as opposed to dating somebody else. Correct. I was going to take one year and not date nothing, like do absolutely nothing and reprogram that vicious wheel that wanted to keep spinning in my life. And the best way to do that was to kind of do a mental surgery, if you will, and remove things that were causing me to attract the very thing I didn't want in my life. But it was... Stop there. Yeah. No, it's a good stop. Things that you're attracting to. I, I had, I when I went through my tough times, I never thought, what am I attracting? I just kind of went through a, a very secular CBT process. And I used a couple of support groups. I wasn't thinking about attracting anything. I, I, I called it monk mode, though. I did go to monk mode. I, I literally, <laughs> it, it, you, you saw my place in Beverly. It was just me, Jess, and a couple cats. You know, mm-hmm. that was it. And I just read up a lot and tried to heal thyself. But talk about something like what you're trying to attract. I was trying to detract everything. I was just trying to protect myself during that time. Yeah, I I wanted to love the person I was looking at in the mirror. I wanted to attract kindness to myself. That wasn't just because my personality, as you know, like I'm the class clown. I'm extreme extrovert. I love people. I have great friends, family. I just wanted to feel that good about myself, the way other people felt when they seen me. I wanted to feel that for me because I wasn't feeling that for me. I felt a sense of not knowing who I was, emptiness, sadness, grief, mourning. And I also, because I am a hopeful romantic, not hopeless, right? Hopeful romantic. I Reframing. Want, you're reframing again. Yes. 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 I wanted to change what I attract when I would be ready to date again. So in that year, I said, in order to break the cycle, men, I would only date myself. I would not be sexually intimate with anyone for at least a year. I'd be responsible for my own happiness. I'd write and journal my dreams, create a vision board. I'd put into practice the law of attraction. I would write and say out loud daily affirmations. As crazy as it sounds, I would go in the mirror and I'd say, you are beautiful. You are amazing. 
And in the beginning, it is so uncomfortable. <laughs> it is sure. so uncomfortable to look at yourself in the mirror and say these things. But you know what? 30 days go by, 60 days go by, and you're like feeling it. You start to go in a room. I'm a rock star. You go to the store. You want flowers? Do you want a candlelight? Yes. And you're going to do these things. Why? Because you're worth it. And you can give this to yourself. I'd get flowers. I'd take my little TV dinner. I'd play little Irish music. So I like little Irish music in the background, reminding me of Ireland. And I'd get a glass of wine. I toast to myself and say, what a great life you have. And I kept doing, taking action until I believed it, until it became a real thing, until it came to fruition. Yeah. Because for the listeners out there, it's been easy for you and people we know in our lives that have taken the negative information, you're just kind of unprogramming it. Because somebody, it's not like the dark person told mm -hmm. you yeah, all those negative qualities and you believed it. Right. You, know, you, you wound up believing it because it was the person that you had the fantasy for you're trying to fix it. And you gave up, you gave up your power to that person. Or I call it the external locus of control. I think that's the psych oh. one-on-one term. I love that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got that's, some good buzzwords left from yeah, my, that, my psych cool. my psych classes in undergrad <laughs> that you're trying to literally reprogram the neural pathways. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. And there's so much power in that, that re rewiring of the brains, right? Those little neurons. And challenging myself because change doesn't happen unless you get uncomfortable. So you have to do uncomfortable things if you want a different result. So for example, I'm going to take myself to the movies. I'd go to the movies by myself. I'd go to the most romantic movie. And I remember at the time, PS I Love You was out. All couples all around me and just me with popcorn and my Coke, my Diet Coke. And I'm bawling profusely. And I had an epitome. I was like, gosh, divorce, ends of a relationship. It's really like death because you're mourning it yes. like that. You're you mourning know? the ideal. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was divorced in 2009. It's the second worst, second or third worst trauma somebody has in the belief, you know, the, the grief list, you know, death of a parent, death of a child, divorce. So yeah, it's it's up there. Absolutely. And all the while I'm doing this work, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with this theory that I just thought like, you know, when we're in relationship, we make so many excuses why we should date someone, why we shouldn't date someone. And I came up with the whole pie, which is chapter 10. There's also a pie. There. <laughs> we like pie. Let's talk about pie. Yeah. She's talking about a pie without the whipped cream. Correct. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I will say this. I, I will explain what the pie is. And this pie, when applied, I've had people who have broken up with their significant others based on it. I've had people find the love of their life um, doing this formula as well. And a whole bunch of other things. So basically, you know, some of us are focusing way too much on the shallow aspects, whereas someone else is just finding an excuse to, to keep that person in our life, right? So these conversations were very, they happened all the time amongst my friends. Well, they're great, but they, 
they don't have this or they're they're okay but no everything's perfect but there was always a but so I thought about that and I thought okay let's say you were at a bakery and they were selling a wide array of different pies and you choose let's say an apple pie and you go to the counter and typically you have eight slices to a pie and you you get to the counter and one slice is missing and would you pay full price for it absolutely not right would you pay full price if there's one slice missing for a whole pie so seven slices for the price of eight and that's really a metaphor of what we do for our life so he has all seven or she has all seven or they have all seven but they're missing that one critical slice and we try to justify it so you you would think at the very least a discount would be applied and but that's what we do to our own life we discount it by accepting qualities and things that we should not accept by not having the whole pie in our life and we deserve the whole pie we don't deserve four four out of the eight of out of a person and my exercise is let's say in a partner what are a hundred plus things i you know i say get as granular as possible write down all the qualities, physicalities, everything that you would want. If I had a magic wand and you can create the perfect partner, I mean, some of us would have a scroll of what we want, right? And that's okay. The magic wand can literally be whatever you want. But then I say, now pick eight out of those hundred qualities, out of those thousand qualities. You can only choose eight. Those eight represent the core, your non-negotiables. And if one is missing, you do not respond. You do not continue with that relationship. The minute Or talk about the confidence if, hey, there's seven out of eight, seven eighths of a pie. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the confidence you need to have to say, you know what? I'll wait for the next pie. Well, I love that. I love that. You know, the confidence is because you date yourself and you know what you're worth. Because the more you continue to date yourself, the more you find goodness and gratitude, just waking up, being alive, right? Having a beautiful walk and feeling the brisk air. It's the little things in life, they start to really add value that you don't want to jeopardize the beautiful life you've created, that you can give that to yourself. So some examples, like I said, everyone's going to have a different pie. So Cynthia's may look different than mine. You know, Mark, yours is going to look different than mine. Like I have sense of humor. Like that it was a non-negotiable. I mean, the person I'm with now has very dry sense of humor, so it still works. <laughs> but like different things like that. Adventurous. I want someone who is adventurous. Everyone's going to have a different pie. And that's okay as long as you don't negate from your own core. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM, a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. Build her life. So now that you've got this formula put together, and it's it sounds attainable in the respect that you put it in an analogy that everybody can understand. You don't need to be a therapist background. It's just pie 
you take the hundred pieces of high or sorry, sorry, hundred attributes of what you want in a relationship. And you, you whittle it down to the eight that are non-negotiable. So let's assume in your story, you've got the pie. It's built. You're having, having a good time. How is your life changing at this point? You mean as of to, oh, at this point of the story? Yes. So great yes. question. I decide to put put to use the law of attraction that I had been practicing, and I book a trip without even having the PTO approved at the time when I was working for a hey, time off, right? PTO. PTO, correct. Yes, and it was I, th I think it was a hundred, two hundred dollars to for the deposit, and it was for seven countries in Europe. Now, I had been out of the country when I was younger. I used to sell crafts door to door. I won a candy sale competition, the top 10 in sales. So I got a trip to Canada. So I've always had the travel bug since I was 11 years old when I was excited to go to Indiana because who gets excited about Indiana? Travel bug Annie does. And if it's <laughs> somewhere different in a new environment, I'm excited. So I've had this travel bug, the bites since I was 11. So fast forward now, I want to dream bigger. So now I am a new version of myself, more refined. I'm taking more chances and I want to live my best life. So I book it, have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. But of course, you know, when you put it out there and you let go, the universe will conspire to make things happen for you. What did you uh, let go of? I let go of fear. I let go of the unknown. I let go of the what ifs. I let the go self -critic. of the yeah, yes. self-critic. Well, the self-critic's a good one. I, I let go of, I call it attachment to the outcome. It was kind of like, a, I read it from a samurai book. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. And the samurai would go into battle. Those guys are dressed. They got the cool armor on, the swords and stuff. And they, the, the book kind of said a que sera, sera. Mm -hmm. Of course, they weren't saying que sera, sera, but they had that kind of like, hey, if we're going to go in there, we're going in. I love that. That's a great analogy. I I ended up going by myself and I, I well, I got an unexpected bonus and pay, was able to pay for everything, pay for my flight. And first pit stop was London, followed by a whole bunch of other countries, seven in total, where I made some lifelong friends and had just the most amazing experience. I remember being in Paris thinking, gosh, I would love to live in Europe one day. Little did I know what in one year, how my life would change. That's the funny thing. When you start planting seeds and doing things, m more doors start to open, right? So I basically- You're opening them. You're opening them. This isn't just platitude. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this show to share your story. Thank you. I appreciate that. After this trip had passed, the Today Show was on. And I normally don't watch the Today Show often. But for some reason, my intuition was like, turn it on before work. And all of a sudden, there was a caption about Barcelona, like for $600, something like that. But it was with hotel and airfare. And I was just like, wow. like. To Bar this is great. I haven't been to Barcelona. Like, let, let, let's do it. So my one friend and her husband went as, as well. And so we were, here we are in a journey, living my best life. I am 
just having the best time. Still, I it had been now, at this point, it had been 15 months of dating myself. Now, mind you, I started dating three months prior to going to Barcelona. And I will tell you, the men I used to attract, they wouldn't even look at me anymore. They wouldn't even give me time of day. I started attracting healthy, good guys where it kind of felt itchy, which sounds crazy. But uh, I can you help? I, I, can, what do you I, mean by for, itchy? For, yeah, yeah. Guys, yeah, yeah. The, the guys in the audience here, meaning me, <laughs> I never felt itchy. It felt like a bad reaction because I was used to abuse where it starts to when you're in it for so many years it feels normal and comfortable as sick as that sounds so I would have to have out-of-body experiences and say Annie this is what normal feels like this is what you deserve and I would slowly let it in even if it was uncomfortable because I didn't know how to react to someone truly being authentic and good to me on the other side do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I definitely knew they were different. They were treating me different. They were, it was completely different. Bogging. The energy was different. And it's because I had done the work. So I was just dating, but still, still, you know, good girl. <laughs> and then uh, I'm in Barcelona having the best time. And I'm at this Irish pub. I always say, like, like to sing, dance, joke, like, hey, Irish pubs, I've always found some of the best times. So we're celebrating my friend's birthday, and we're having a good time, and I'm at the bar laughing, just being my typically soft-spoken self. Kidding. (laughs) (laughs) My loud self, unfortunately, or fortunately, and there was a, a gentleman on the corner watching me, observing me the whole time. And started gravitating towards me. And he just looked at me. We locked eyes. It was really like the French call, like love at first sight. This energy that was so amazing. And we just kissed and it was fireworks. It was like there was no one in the bar. It was just amazing. We didn't want the night to end. And I was just like, well, nothing's happening because I have to like love the person at the time. And we continued the night. My friend got robbed. Oh, no. We didn't want the night to end. So... I never asked, so I said, well, do you want to come back? And we just had wine. He he spoke seven languages, but his English wasn't good. I could barely speak Spanish. And somehow we communicated. Somehow you figured it out. I think you have, it sounds like you had the inspiration. We had definite inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a beautiful, it was beautiful and it was amazing. And he had asked me to dinner the next day. And so we had like a double date with my friends and he was just amazing, fresh of air. And I felt just alive with him in, in all the best ways. And when it was time for me to go, you know, he told me he loved me. And I thought, that's crazy. Who's, who loves somebody in 48 hours? But if you've been with a French person, you'll understand. It's very, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon thing, perhaps. So anyways, I just knew that there was something different and I had explored wanting to live abroad, but this was kind of the push that I needed. And two weeks later, I thought I'm doing it. I'm going to go to Barcelona and not just for him. And he made that clear too, because we didn't want it to be based on that. I wanted to be there. I wanted to learn Spanish and half Spanish. So I want to learn how to speak it. My dad never taught us how to speak Spanish. So long story short, 
I decide and I said, okay, I just have this car though. And I owe like 10 grand on it. What am I going to do? And, you know, I talked to my friend, I'm worried about my son. Is he going to like it? He has to learn the language because they also speak um, Catalan because it's uh, the capital of Catalonia is Barcelona. So if you go to Barcelona, you don't want to say Spain, you want to say Catalonia. Um, so it's a, a a big deal there. I uh, decided to do that. And uh, my friend said, what a good experience it would be for my son. You know, and I thought if he doesn't like it, we can always come back. And when I made that decision, I with some other friends too from high school and we were leaving Wicker Park. We were at Peace, one of my favorite places. And I left. I was on the Kennedy Highway and I got into a three three lane collision. And thank God it was later because there wasn't a ton of cars, but it, my car got totaled and the other guys. And we came out, we hugged each other and we're like, we're alive. And and, you know, like my chest hurt from the impact of the airbag. But other than that, we were totally fine. And now the problem with the car is solved. And then I said, okay, I'm going to give my job a month notice. So this is now April of 2009. I didn't go to work on the Monday because I was on medication because of the, the impact of the uh, crash. The following day, my boss had said they had to talk to me. They had to eliminate my position. And I said, my gosh, if this is the worst thing that happens, I'm totally fine. I'm like, I I've had the best time here. And she was like, this isn't fair. And I was just like, this is totally fine. I got a severance also. And I remember going home, opening up a bottle of champagne, toasting to how amazing. I now have the money for the plane ticket. I didn't have to put my notice in. And now I have the money to take my um, teaching English as a foreign language certification. And I was off to Barcelona and I had to go to court to get everything in place so I could take my son out the country and then he would be with his dad every summer. And then hence I get to Barcelona and then let's just say... Gosh, it's an adventure of my life in so many ways. And the story in the book, how things happen, how we break up. His name's Lucas in the book and other things occur. And then I'm dating. It goes into a very crazy adventure. I'm with a whole bunch of women from around the world, one from Denmark, one from Turkey, another from uh, Yeda, another person from the Philippines who came to the United States in, when she was 18, another person from the Caribbean and, and grew up in the UK. And we're all these single women at the same time experiencing dating in a foreign country. It was pretty incredible to say the least and stories to last a lifetime. So how um, did you fund this lifestyle? I mean, it's not, you got this awesome adventure. You're you're having your pie and you're eating it too, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> well, how would somebody either get there? Let's say, hey, you know what? I'm going to bolt. I'm going yeah. to Barcelona. I want to teach English. I think that's still around. It is. Would you it recommend is. that as a program for somebody, no matter yeah. the age? Absolutely. I think if you have a little savings, a little cushion, it does. it, it helps. Or how, how long the I savings mean, do you think you should have? I mean, I'd, I'd say I, I had at least... At the time, because I withdrew some of uh, some of my savings, I had about ten thousand dollars at the time okay. as a place, just to fall back on. Which is, you know, if you get a second job or you do a hobby or something, it's it's you know something that you can do because teaching English as a foreign language was amazing. I taught from the age five all the way up to business students, engineers, nurses, 
things of that nature. And it was really incredible to see the drive that they had to learn our language. And, and English is my first language. So I didn't really even realize the complexity of our language and how many, you know, how, in, how incredible it is to see them start and then where they evolve, you know, a year later. But because that income was not enough, I did a lot of private tutoring English. So you could put things in the paper, there's word of mouth, things of that, that nature to, to make extra money. So and that, you got the T and you got a true T is a TESOL certification. Yeah. TEFL. It's like TEFL, T-E-F-L. Okay. Just for those in the audience that aren't familiar with it, if you can take the adventure, do it. Since COVID, lots of things are online and there are about, I want to say at least five different platforms where you can actually offer your services, set your own price and teach in another country. It's just the hours you'd have to look. So for example, you might start at 5 a.m., do a five to eight that you offer your services and you can make money that way as well. So there's so like a side hustle you're saying you can make absolutely. like a cool side hustle. Absolutely. And some people actually make it their full-time job so they can be a digital nomad and just do that. They pick, they select the time frame, they put their price point, And let's say they go to another country where the wages are nothing like, you know, the, in the U S so, for example, if I were going to Macedonia, like my husband, when my husband and I, we lived there for a month. It was, I think it was like 600 US dollars for a month for a two bedroom, two bathroom. I mean, huge place. Nice. So it was pretty incredible. There, was, there would be four of us having breakfast, my friends and I, and it was 10 US dollars. So imagine you can really go a long way if you pick certain places, even in the U.S. There's other cities. I'm in Austin right now, which is very high cost of living. But then you can go somewhere else where it's not. And you can apply those services if you want to be fully location independent, setting up your own hours and your own, you know, doing your own thing. So that's that's a real thing that is going on now that a lot of people do. Well, I, I really enjoy this because now you're putting something that's pragmatic and deliverable and it's not a platitude. You've lived it. I believe you've done a few other, you got a few other, I'll call them digital nomad, not a side hustle, but you're, you put the pie together on the personal mental health. What else do you do? I know you had a uh, practice of the candles. Is it Sensi? Oh yeah, I did that for a while, but and and that was a great platform because it taught me how to speak in front of a crowd and take away that nervousness that comes with it, so I could be a better a better speaker. And so yeah, so I did that little thing for a while to make extra money, and then I had lived off my savings for like a year and a half, and was finishing the book up because this book ten years ago I started writing this book, and I just kept thinking how scary to put your business for everyone to know it's kind of scary and you don't know how it's going to be perceived and I remember I had met Elgin Davis he played with Tom Brady back in the day and at the time my son was 10 and he's like you got to write this book we became friends on Facebook and um, with the truck up yeah. here who is this gentleman again so Elgin Davis he played on the Patriots 
but oh. for a very short time with Tom Brady, if memory serves me right, this was a while ago. This was 14 years ago. We had run into each other in Florida. Um, I know. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. So he he had he gave me his card. He wrote he wrote a book. Why did it happen to me? And I thank you. You know, I'll, I'm just going to keep writing. And I always, when someone asks what I did, I'm a writer. I'm an author. Even though it didn't happen yet, I was still writing my story. And I didn't even know what the ending was going to look like. That's the coolest thing. I love the ending to this book, but I won't ruin it here. Did but, you have, uh, did you suffer? <laughs> this was a theme that we had in another, our last week's episode, imposter syndrome during this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a real thing. Especially too, because you want to make sure that you're constantly growing and that you're investing in yourself. Even when you're in a good place, you never want to think you've arrived or that you're done with the work. You know, I always say to invest in yourself isn't just about investing like in a 401k or stocks. Investment is in self-development. What are the things I can do? What positive podcasts can I listen to today? What skill can I learn? What can I Google on YouTube to learn something else? What are my daily habits? I want to wake up with gratitude and give thanks right away. You know, I want to stretch. I want to journal and write down gratitude. I want to do things in place and have a practice because I want to keep evolving. I don't want to stop. Another couple of resources I know that are at least very affordable are Udemy or Udemy, letter U, D-E-M-Y. That is great. I found a course. I mean, it's kind of nerdy, but it for I was like, I don't remember what I spent, maybe 20 bucks at the most. Yeah. And I taught my, and I use it as a guide to teach myself search engine optimization. I love that. Now, can I, well, do I have the confidence to do it for a living and charge $5,000 a month to somebody else? Probably not, but I can take that skill in house and build my company. Right. right. So that's one resource I've heard of Khan Academy, K-H-A-N Academy. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, yeah. It was built by this, uh, I think he was a teacher or a mathematician. And they literally, he just put it all out there. I love that. That's so great. He started out being known for teaching, successfully teaching math in a new format and started doing that online. And then they started adding more other subjects to his site. Yep. I love that. (laughs) There's, I mean... Really, if you take a little bit of time to like, I I remember I did like a month of coding. I was just curious of like, what can I create? What can I learn? And just kind of get some insight. It's it's amazing what you can do. I was in Albania with COVID pneumonia. It was horrific. But during that time, I, I, I added some more certifications to my belt. So I wanted to be productive while I had COVID. That was pretty interesting. But there are why so- were you in? Why were you there? What took you there? Yeah, hold on a sec. Yeah, one of the country, Albania. <laughs> like I know, that's not right? most people's first destination. It's beautiful. I mean, uh, well, when COVID happened, so fast forward a bit. You know, I well, I'd come back to the United States. I want to say 2012. Yes, because I was in Barcelona for about two and a half years. When I came back um, to the states, I, I thought, okay, when my son graduates, I am going to go and uh, have a digital nomad life. Now, this is before the craze of now remote work where it's more common than not. So this is was a very hard thing. So that's why I wanted to 
learn other things that could position me to be able to have that lifestyle. So we talked about like you can tutor online. There's tons of services. You just have to think, what value can I bring to someone and how can you monetize on that? But also feel happy doing it because the worst thing is you, so let's say you get into coding and you hate it. Well, then what's the point? You're, that energy is like, you're miserable. You know what I mean? And, yes. and we need to work, but we want to enjoy what we do, I always say, at the very least. So, yes, yeah, so uh, two thousand, so a year in 2019, so I do a vision board every year, and I would say 80% of my vision boards come to fruition. And they're, what's they get a vision bigger. board? Tell, tell everybody, what, what's a vision board? Okay. So what it is, is I'll take things from magazines or I'll Google stuff, print it, and it's picture of my life, like things I want. So let's say if it's a house or it's a trip somewhere around the world. My very first one was on this huge easel and I had a picture of like white water rafting on it. I had a picture from a magazine. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this story because I, I pinned it on there, taped it on there. I cut a whole bunch of cities and just plastered them. This is before I even, uh, this is before I even did my seven countries. Okay. I had created this big vision board of all my dreams. And at the time, it was a very big vision board to fulfill. Is that, that seven countries or seven continents? That was seven countries. At the time I did, I did all seven continents in 2018 while having a full-time job. I was working for a uh, software company and I was like, I need a month off. <laughs> I'll take it without pay, but I really need to go. Well, it's because I needed to go to Antarctica and Antarctica was going to be a feat. It wasn't going to be something that was going to be a week of PTO. And so I also had that I was going to spend the seventh continent on the, uh, the seventh country on the continent of Africa and Morocco and spend New Year's Eve on the Sahara Desert. Wow. <laughs> so I needed November of 2018. I needed to have that time off and I, without pay and thank goodness, I had a very good relationship with my, my boss, who is my friend now and understood that, you know, I always delivered at work and that, but she also knew travel was the love of my life and that taking that away from me would kill my soul, literally. So she was totally okay. And every time I'd come in her office, she's like, are you putting in your notice or are you, is this about a trip? <laughs> it's a trip. So it's pretty funny, but yeah, so I was able to do that. And so I did seven continents in one year, kind of happened accidentally. I just was picking places and then I was like, oh my gosh, I can do all seven in one year. And with a full-time job, that's pretty neat. Best, an amazing year. 2018 was, wow, amazing. So yeah, so like if I think back to like my dark days, if you were to tell me, listen, in 10 years, you're going to go to all seven continents, including crossing the most dangerous waters in the world, I would have laughed at you. You did this without a silver spoon. I mean, this Correct. is, you know, I think yeah. I'm going back to the pie. You got yeah. your pie, you've built your career. It sounds like you rebuilt your mental health so you can get a good career as well. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. careers, it sounds like, hey, I'm an author. That's going to bring in like one income stream. Are you still tutoring English as a second language? No, no, I'm not doing that. So how are you, you know, for us out there that aren't able to go 
all seven continents in one year working full time. Can you give some some ideas of what you could possibly do to get to that digital nomad? I mean, I know a couple. I know my own little world of right. IT, but I'd love to hear your side because it's very different than mine. Yeah, I mean, I think for one, positioning yourself. So the last company I was with, I had worked really hard. I mean, I always worked hard. The first year I needed to prove to myself. So I was getting multiple promotions. So I was established and I was showing value in the workplace. So when they knew about my travels and how much I love travels, it was an incentive. Like I'd rather, I'd rather not get a raise as long as I got the time off. And then I was able to not only have a paycheck, but then I was also able to learn more about the point system. So because I, in the last five years, it's it's very rare I fly economy. It's usually business class. And it's because I've learned secrets. If you don't have points, what to do. I've learned also what type of credit cards to have. I've learned how to bank and make things work in my favor. I, I'm in awe of your ability to do all that travel and, and, and just how you've turned your life around. And uh, before we close, how about a pearl of wisdom? Just one. Just one pearl. <laughs> okay. Oof. This is good. Take risk. And when someone says you're crazy, you're definitely on the right path. When you're scared, do it. It's the most rewarding because, like I said, the universe will conspire to make it happen, but you're the one that has to take that risk and chance and get out of your head. Get out of your head because the problem is your thinking is the problem is, is not your dreams too big. It's your thinking that's too small. Wow. Okay. That is a pearl. Thank you. All right. In the end, yeah, we're reaching the end of the hour here. So I'd like to thank Cynthia for keeping us on the level and on time today. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank Travel Bug Annie for coming in today, sharing travel tips, sharing life tips, really getting focused on the mental health side of things, personal growth and self-development even before you get the business started. That's what I really liked about this perspective today. So thanks uh, for coming on today, Annie, before you travel yet again. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you both. It was a really fun hour. I appreciate it. You're welcome. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast. Or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up. And you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo, and the episodes will come up on the YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, and we'll see you next week.